The devil goes down to Georgia because he was looking for a criminal fraud case to steal. Hey girls, guys, I'm Brandy with an I, and this is Did You Hear the News? This week has been full of political news and a fair share of drama. So let's just get to it. Special Prosecutor Robert Herr finally released his report regarding the classified documents that were at Joe Biden's home. So if you recall, first, former President Trump was found to have classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago Beach Club. Next thing you know, Mike Pence was found to have documents at his personal home. And then the former president's team found classified documents in one of his old offices. So they immediately contacted the archives and let them know that they had them. In each case, special prosecutors were brought on to do investigations. As you know, Jack Smith is a special prosecutor in the Trump case. And you know how that went. He brought charges. I don't even remember the special prosecutor in the Mike Pence case, so that one just kind of went off without a hitch. Just like President Biden, he went along with any additional searches to his homes or any other properties. Not a problem. No charges. So we were waiting for the report for President Biden. So Merrick Garland, in all of his infinite knowledge, decided to make Robert Herr the special counsel for the documents case for President Biden. He picked him because he had glory views, bipartisan. Everyone said, oh, he's a stand-up guy. Great. So he chose him to be the special prosecutor. Now he is a Republican, but no sweat off anybody's back. Not a problem, right? Wrong. We all know any Republican who wants any type of career going forward has to somehow appease the former president. So in his report, he did say that the former president will not be charged. However, he made numerous conflicting statements, especially in his initial findings, like on his first page that gives the conclusion. He said that POTUS willfully obtained documents and The media ran with that. Like, that was on all the chirons, that was all the headlines and all the news stories. President Biden, former senator at the time, actually willfully retained these documents and was showing these documents to someone who was working on his autobiography and all of that. However, if you actually read the report, you will find that Robert Herr actually says he can't really prove that. President Biden willfully retained the documents and that he actually didn't show documents to the person who was the ghostwriter who was helping him write his memoir or biography or whatever. He had his own handwritten notes from way back in the day during whatever time period he was talking about. I think it had something to do with maybe like Afghanistan or something like that. I can't recall, but 
in any case, he actually had his own handwritten notes, I guess because he thought that they'd be important one day and then they were. So he showed those notes to the ghostwriter. However, if you watch the news, you wouldn't really know any of this because they have chosen to focus high level on the he willfully retained documents and also on the additional unnecessary parts, which were about President Biden's age. So Robert Herr, I think he needed to he needed to give the Republicans something, even though he was not pressing charges, like no charges were going to be brought, but he had to give Republicans something so that they wouldn't just bring a campaign against him like they are doing with David Weiss and the Hunter Biden, you know, DOJ charges. So it was just really ridiculous. He basically said, oh, you know, the president had these documents, but I don't think we can charge him because if we ever bring charges and he goes to trial, he's just going to play the meaningful, well-doing grandfather and no uh, jury is going to see him as a criminal. And it's kind of like, well, that's gratuitous. First of all, you shouldn't be trying to make cases for what a jury will say, number one. And number two, why do you need to say that? He actually interviewed POTUS, I think it was on October like 7th or 8th. It was right around the time that everything was happening in Israel with Hamas attacking the people in Israel. Uh, It was like a five-hour meeting. And granted, he was obviously very sidetracked because of that, but he was asking him things. I think he said, and this really offended President Biden, he said that he felt like he couldn't remember his son's death or like what year his son died. And it was kind of like, why are you telling us this? Like, all of the experts were kind of just like, okay, we get you're not going to charge him. Here are the details of the case. You have no evidence to say that he actually willfully retained documents. And no, he didn't actually show documents to a ghostwriter, uh, similar to the former president who literally showed confidential documents, clarified that he knew that they were confidential, that they were not declassified, and that he could not declassify them as president, showed them to a documentary maker or or, uh, someone writing a book. That's not the same case here. That didn't happen here. But it appears that Robert Herr had to, like I said, give the Republicans a bone, something that they could work with, because he already knew they were going to be upset that there were no charges. So he had to be able to say, oh, you know, POTUS is just an old man who seems to have memory problems. And of course, that sparked days of the media once again talking about Joe Biden's age. I'm not going to say Joe Biden's age is not an issue. Do I want someone younger, Springer, Spryer in that office? Absolutely. But realistically, that's not what we got. Nobody wants to go against Joe Biden. Here we are. To be talking about his age in a special report is outside of the norm. To talk about his memory is outside of the norm. For Robert Hur to basically have a press conference similar to James Comey when he came out and said, oh, we investigated Hillary Clinton. 
but we're not going to bring any charges because we didn't find anything. But he brought that out in October and is basically part of the reason that she lost in 2016. It wasn't necessary, right? It didn't need to be done. It was gratuitous, which makes it seem like he basically was throwing the Republicans a bone. Once again, as far as President Biden's memory, people who talk to him on the daily, who see him often, have said he's really good. He's really quick. I don't think that that translates well on camera for certain reasons. He has had a stutter for all of his life. He knows he has to speak carefully in front of media. And also, he's looking frailer, which understandably would make people concerned. But when it comes to his actual mind and how it works, people close to him have said there's no issue there. I don't know President Biden, haven't seen him face to face, haven't ever met him, haven't had a conversation with him. I can't say yay or nay. All I can say is it wasn't necessary for this report. Once again, Republicans do what Republicans do. Merrick Garland, in all his attempts to try to be impartial and not look partisan, his intentions never come out the way he wants them. Like him wanting to be impartial and not seem partisan tends to lead to partisan outcomes, right? Him taking forever to actually open an investigation into former president for all of his crimes, him doing this Hunter Biden thing and kind of flubbing it, not making the guy who was doing the investigating the special prosecutor sooner, all kinds of things that he could have done that he didn't do because he was trying not to seem like he was biased, have come out looking like he is biased because now Hunter Biden is facing felony charges for things that normal people on a normal day don't get charged for. Taxes, unless you have ridiculous tax bills, most people don't get charged, especially when he paid back those taxes with interest. The gun thing, the fact that he, I guess, lied on a report saying that he wasn't addicted to any drugs when he bought the gun and then he actually was addicted to drugs and then he don't even have the gun anymore. He sold it. Those type of things don't get the kinds of punishments or charges that Hunter Biden is getting. So you have to believe that Hunter Biden is getting charged with these things because he is the president's son. And Donald Trump is getting it easier because he was the former president. And it's in an attempt to look fair and balanced. It's not fair or balanced. Donald Trump should have been held accountable immediately. Hunter Biden should not be getting charged for the things he's getting charged for. That's the issue with Merrick Garland. This report, it is what it is. Republicans are going to try to use it in the ways that they're going to use it. The end of the day, POTUS is not being charged with having special documents. None of these guys had to face any charges when having those classified documents. The reason that the former president, once again, is being charged is not because he had the documents. It's because when the National Archives came to retrieve those documents, he obstructed and he lied and he led them on. That's the reason that he is charged. So Republicans like to say two-tiered levels of justice or whatever. Okay, 
Sure. But there are clear cut reasons why POTUS's case doesn't look like former POTUS's case. Even Robert Hurst said that in his report, he just was a little gratuitous with the age and the memory stuff. Moving along. Speaking of the Bidens and Hunter Biden and the Republicans trying to find any crimes regarding President Biden so that they can impeach him. It turns out that the FBI informant that they were hitching their wagon to that told them that there was this $5 million bribe and that's what they've been trying to chase information for for the longest. What do you know? He is now being indicted on charges for lying to the FBI about that bribery, falsifying records about that bribe that was supposed to have happened. He lied about it all. And now the Republicans who used him as their informant, their smoking gun witness, are scrambling because there's really no reason they have to impeach President Biden. There is no high crime or misdemeanor that they have found to impeach him. They've already impeached Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas after Steve Scalise got out of the hospital and came to vote. Like, that's how serious it was. So, once again, a real witch hunt is Republicans trying to do this impeachment. There's no there there. Obviously, this informant was a liar. His name's Alexander Smirnov. He is getting charged now. The other informant they had also is getting charged for being a foreign agent and not disclosing. These guys are flailing. They have nothing. So here we are. I don't know if they're going to drop the impeachment thing. They have a lot of other stuff going on right now. So we'll see how that goes. But at this time, that guy has been charged. Alexander, he's been charged for lying, falsifying records. Who knows where it's going to go? But Republicans are always going to try to find a way to bring it back to POTUS doing something. Once again, the only reason they're trying to do this impeachment to begin with is so that when it's time for Joe Biden and Trump to go face to face again, it can be, well, your guy has impeachments too. That's really the only reason. And it's easy to see. Speaking of that vote that they took, they rushed that very quickly on Monday because they knew that the special election in New York for former Congressman George Santos's seat, if you don't recall him, he was a scammer who used campaign funds for things like OnlyFans and Sephora. He had lied originally about almost every aspect of his life, which was found out when he got to Congress, which is what started probably the investigations into him. So he's actually facing charges as well. So they were running to uh, fill his seat. Tom Swazi, who is actually a Democratic congressman prior to this, I think what happened was he got beat by George Santos or, or there was some like redistricting done. They had to redraw their maps in New York because of the fact that during the census, they lost a seat and they tried to gerrymander, but the Republican judges in New York were like, absolutely not. So they ended up with this crazy map that actually caused us to lose seats. And so a lot of people who were in office were kind of like, ended up 
being primaried or like they didn't lose their they didn't win their races because of the fact that like the demographics has changed in their districts. However, George Santos's district, President Biden had won that heartily. So it was kind of already known that it's very likely a Democrat will come back and take that seat. And the Republicans already have a super narrow majority. So the next night, Tom Swazi, who once again was a former congressman, defeated Mozzie Pillup, who was the Republican candidate running for that seat. And so that made the Republicans uh, lead even narrower. So now they're down that seat. They still have to have an election, I think, in November when it will happen for Kevin McCarthy's seat. So they <laughs> up the creek with no paddle, which is why it's even crazier that they still are fighting pretty much over the border and immigration and foreign aid bill. They refuse to work with Democrats, even though the House and Senate are working together. Here's how it went. POTUS coupled immigration with foreign aid in his budget. The Republicans use that as a pretense to say, well, since you put it in there, we can't give you any foreign aid until we get the border issue fixed. So Democrats worked with Republicans, got a deal together before they could even release the text of the deal. They couldn't even say what was in the bill. Donald Trump said, don't do anything on immigration. I want to run on it. And they switched their tunes immediately. And so all the hard work that their Republican colleague in the Senate did was for naught. Because at this point, it doesn't matter what's in it. Donald Trump said not to support it, right? So what happened was the bill text finally came out. And they were like, we're not going to support this. It's dead in the House. Like, we don't even think the Senate's going to support it. So then, now we have no immigration bill. We're going back to foreign aid. They say, oh, well, we can't do foreign aid because we don't have immigration bill. Insanity. So at that point, the Senate was like, okay, whatever. So they ended up creating and passing a foreign aid bill bipartisan for aid to Israel, Ukraine, and Taiwan. However, once again, Mike Johnson is saying that he won't bring it for a vote in the House. Now, that's because Mike Johnson knows if he does bring it to the House floor for a vote, it's very likely going to pass. It might not have support of far right and far left, but there'll be enough votes in the House for it to pass. And he can't afford that because he is on borrowed time with his Republican colleagues. Like one move and all it takes is one person to vote to vacate him from chair as speaker. So he has to do what they want. And he also has to do what Donald Trump wants. It sounds like a very sad life. Hate that for him. But also when you lay down in the mud, you're going to get dirty. So. That's where Congress is. They've passed nothing, and then they've gone home for recess. President Biden called them out like a couple of days ago saying, the world is on fire, and you guys went home. What are you doing? Like, Ukraine really needs this money. On top of the fact that the Russian opposition leader 
Alexei Navalny just died in Russian prison. Why? Because of Putin. If he's killing his political opponents and he doesn't care about killing people in Ukraine, he's not going to care about going into NATO and entering into a conflict that the U.S. is going to have to send our soldiers to. So what are you doing? That's why we're funding Ukraine. It's bigger than just giving them money. If we don't give them the money to defeat Russia, that means Russia is emboldened to go into NATO countries. That means China, who is watching, is emboldened to go into Taiwan. And we've already, as the U.S., have said we will support Taiwan. That means our troops, our young men and women, going into these countries and having to fight and possibly losing their lives. Would we rather send aid or would we rather send lives? I'm going to choose aid every time. Not to mention, we keep talking about all this money going to Ukraine, all this money going to Ukraine. To be fair, it doesn't technically go all to Ukraine. Some of it is to replenish our stocks, right? It's to also do the manufacturing here in our country. So some of that money goes back into the U.S. It's not all about just writing Ukraine a blank check and giving them money. That's not how it goes. Either way, Republicans like Marjorie Taylor Greene have said they're completely against any funding from U- for Ukraine at all because she knows she won't have to go and fight if Poland or any other neighboring NATO countries are invaded, but that's neither here nor there. So Republicans have just twiddled their thumbs on all of these issues, and we continue to have a do-nothing Congress, unfortunately. It's not because Senate Democrats, Senate Republicans, and House Democrats aren't trying to work together. It's because House Republicans get their orders from Donald Trump, point blank period. That's where we are on that. Ooh, now to the drama of the week, okay? You know it's going to involve your former president. In fact, all of the rest of this episode is going to be drama relating to the former president. So let's start off with his presidential immunity claims. If you recall, the former president's lawyers argued in front of a D.C. appellate court that he as president should have overarching immunity from anything. And once again, that's to say, just like Putin did in Russia, he should be able to kill his political opponent. And if he's not impeached and he's not removed, he never gets charged. Hear me out. He can kill his political opponent on his last day in office and go home and never face charges. That is what was argued to an appellate court. And it took them three weeks, which was painstakingly long, because we already know that this is holding up the January 6th case, because that's what they're arguing. I have presidential immunity. I can do whatever I want. Whatever happened on January 6th, it doesn't matter, because I can do whatever I want. Nobody can charge me. So that was holding up this case. Three weeks later, The appeals court comes back and says, you guys tried it. And we listened. We we humored you. But absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
like you're crazy. They upheld Judge Tanya Chutkin's ruling way, way back when this first began that said presidents are not kings and the plaintiff is not president. He has no immunity. Imagine lawyers for Joe Biden's White House coming into a courtroom and saying that Joe Biden can kill Donald Trump and not be charged for it. That would be insanity. It would be insane. It doesn't even make sense. I don't even know why they tried it, but they're lawyers and they get a pay, so they had to try whatever. It was insane. Thank God this appellate court was like, no, thank you. All three of them were like, no, it's not, it's not happening. So at this point, Originally, Jack Smith had asked it to go straight to the Supreme Court. He was like, it's got to go to the Supreme Court. You're the, you guys are the only ones who can put a nail in this coffin. It's got to go. But because the appellate court got it first and said absolutely no, all three said no, Jack Smith was like, you know, y'all ain't got to take it no more. Like, there's, there's no confusion. Everyone agrees. We're all in agreement. You don't have to take this case. However... Of course, the former president wants it to go to the Supreme Court. So Jack Smith and former President Trump's team, legal team, both sent in their briefs like last night to the Supreme Court. They actually met today, but I haven't seen any news that they, you know, have decided to take the case or not. It might be next week because I know that they also apparently come together next week to discuss, you know, whatever cases might come for them. So it only takes for Supreme Court justices to say they want to take on the case. Of course, you know, it it takes five to make a ruling here or there, but it only takes four to say we want to take this case. So I'm hoping that on this one, they're just like, why waste our time? Like, there's there's no confusion here. Like, everyone agrees. It You know, Supreme Court is supposed to come in and take tough issues that the original full court might have said yes, and then the appeals court said no, and we got to reckon. There's nothing, there's none of that here. Like, we basically skipped the full court. It doesn't really have to go back to them, but if it does, it can be fast-tracked. Like, they fast-tracked this whole thing because the point is, this is a tactic to delay. It's what the former president does. He's going to try everything, and his lawyers are getting paid, so they're going to try everything for their client. Even if that means that they get in front of the Supreme Court and make, um, or a, a appellate court and make such a ridiculous claim that the president is immune from anything technically if he is not impeached first and then convicted of it. I mean, I don't think I have to tell you guys that that's just, that's just ridiculous. So anyways, uh, we're waiting on what the Supreme Court will do with that. The sooner that they say what they're going to do, the better because that will kind of keep us into that maybe that March, April time frame. However, it was just ruled by a judge in New York, Manhattan, that the hush money case is actually now going to start in March. So that might push Tanya Chutkin's case to May. Now, Let's not forget the actual documents case is right now scheduled for May. However, the judge in that case who is doing a lot, a lot, a lot to help the former president, I think everyone has just kind of conceded that 
she's going to do everything she can to slow walk this to help him out. Uh, she recently said that she's basically going to keep her date. So now, like, the foreign president's team has to get all of this stuff in, like, immediately in, I think, this month. But there's some interesting legal anal analysis that says that she's kind of playing like a dangerous game because in the long run, it's probably going to end up that she's going to push that date back. But what they're saying is she's, it looks like she's holding, trying to hold her case there in May so that Judge Chutkin can't schedule her case for May, which once again would not surprise me because this judge has done all the things that she can do to help the former president. So we'll see how that goes. But we know right now that on May 20, March 25th, former President Trump's criminal hush money case is going to go forward. And that's going to be a very interesting one. Michael Cohen is like one of the star witnesses. His credibility has been called into question many times, but he just got a boost that we'll talk about later. That actually helps his credibility. So that is the criminal hush money case, the push to slow down the January 6th criminal case, and also the way that Michael Cohen is going to be tied into that, which we'll get to. So that wasn't the worst thing for President Trump this week. He also just got fined in another civil case brought by Letitia James for the state of New York about the fact that he was overinflating and undervaluing his properties at times where it would benefit him, which actually cheated the companies out of like millions of dollars of interest and things like that. It's fraud. It was a civil fraud case. Letitia James was going for like the disbandment of his company like she wanted it to just be disbanded him no longer have the trump company in new york however the judge came back and this trial was crazy because they acted a donkey okay in this courtroom embarrassing the judge had gagged trump a few times because like the first day, he didn't have to be at these trials, but he went because it's very important. Like this is his business. So on the first day, he's like on Truth Social talking junk about the clerk calling her Chuck Schumer's girlfriend or something because like she had a picture with him. You know, it just was crazy stuff. And so the judge was like, listen, I don't care what you say about me. You already talked junk about the AG Tish James. Like, but what you're not going to do is talk about my clerks and my staff because we already know that as soon as he does that, that opens these people up to ridiculous types of harassment and danger from his crazy fans and cult members. So he's like, no, we're not doing that in here. Like, don't say nothing about them because you don't want a problem. So that was a mess. It was, oh, my First Amendment rights are being infringed on just craziness. But this is a guy that we're dealing with who wants another crack at the presidency and honestly has a good shot at it. So that's where we are as a nation. But he's been ordered to pay $355 million on top of the fact that he's still supposed to pay E. Jean Carroll about $85 million. 
And he's going to appeal that, which means that he'd owe even more money because there's a premium. But there's also $100 million of interest that compounds daily until he pays. So the longer he waits to pay, that's even more money. So he's looking at almost $500 million. That's half of a billion dollars. And that guy doesn't have that cash, but you know how he's going to get it. Check your emails. I'm sure he'll be asking you for something soon. So also with that ruling, he did not disband the company, unfortunately. He just said, okay, you know, for three years, you cannot run, own, operate any company in New York City. His two oldest sons also cannot for two years. He fined Trump the two sons, and he also fined Alan Weisselberg. If you recall, he was like the CFO for the Trump organization. So they all got fines, but $355 million was the final number, plus the 100 in interest that accrues daily. Plus, he also owes money to E. Jean Carroll, and it's likely he's going to try to appeal these, and he's going to owe even more money because of the fact that interest, premiums, All of that's going to cost him. Honestly, if he has it, he should just go ahead and fork it up. But we already know he's hemorrhaging money because he has all of these other legal issues and attorney's fees and things like that. So he's going to be asking his supporters for money. And some of them are going to be silly enough to give it to him, even though, you know, the Biden economy is so hard and inflation is so high, they're going to find a way to give this man $5 of their hard-earned money because the self-proclaimed billionaire is just facing all of these tough fights. It's a witch hunt, so whatever. But glad he's finally starting to see some kind of accountability for his actions. Like, he's been quote-unquote Teflon Don for so long in the system, so... I'm glad he's finally starting to see something because this this really hits him where it hurts. The money, the business, that's probably to him even more important than these criminal trials because that's his bread and butter, baby. So that's what's going on with that. Like I mentioned, Michael Cohen is going to be a witness in the criminal case, and he got a huge bump from the judge in the civil case, because the judge in the civil case was like, hey, Michael Cohen told the truth. Now, let's back that up. Michael Cohen went to jail for lying for Trump. It was perjury. He lied to Congress, apparently, about how many times he did something for Trump. It was like he might have said three and the real answer was 10 because he read a statement. He says... He read a statement that was given to him. And in that statement, there were untruths about something that he had done for Trump a number of times. And he was charged with perjury. He went to jail for that. Ever since then, he's like, listen, I got to tell my truth. I got to keep it real. However, Donald Trump was saying, you can't trust that guy. He's a liar. He was already charged with lying. But it was like, yeah, he was lying for you. He was lying for you. And now that you guys are no longer into it, like he has no reason to keep lying. And he's given more than enough information, more than enough documentation. He testified at this civil trial. 
Judge Arthur Ingeron says he told the truth. So that kind of clears the way for that criminal trial for them to say, not to be able to say, hey, Michael Cohen's a liar. No, a judge found that Michael Cohen told the truth about these things, about the way that you defrauded and, and committed fraud. So when he comes in here today and tells us about the ways that he knows that you committed fraud because he was there, because he probably helped you committing fraud, he's telling the truth. So that's not a great thing for Trump, even though the hush money case is kind of one of the weakest ones because it is trying to tie something that happened in a state to a federal crime law and we just don't really know how exactly that's going to go but I think the basis of that one is that he used his campaign contributions in like a fraudulent way he didn't disclose it and that was the hush money payments he used campaign funds to pay off someone and he didn't say I paid this woman because she was going to try to come out with salacious stories about me similar to I think it was John Edwards who was kind of charged on something similar, but because he disclosed that, like, I did it for the reasons of the fact that I'm running for president, which is what Donald Trump was supposed to do because he was running for president at that time. He did not do that. And now he is being charged for it. So we'll see how that one goes. But once again, like I said, former President Trump trying to discredit Michael Cohen is going to be even harder now because we have a judge on record saying Michael Cohen was right. In his own words, printed out on paper for everyone to read. So. Like all these other cases, that's going to be really fun to watch. Now, on to my favorite part of this week's drama. As we're aware, the former president is actually charged in a RICO conspiracy case in Georgia. The reason that this case is such a big deal is because Unlike the federal charges, these are state charges, similar to the hush money trial. The other two are federal, but this is these are state charges. And in Georgia, if you are found guilty, you have to do a minimum of five years. You can't be pardoned by the governor. You have to do those five years. And then when it comes time for you to seek a pardon or anything like that, it has to go through like a board like this. Not a way that the governor can just be like, I seek to pardon Donald Trump. He ain't never did nothing to nobody and he shouldn't be charged. No, that's not how it works in Georgia. So if he were to be found guilty, him or any of the other defendants, they have to do mandatory five years. And a RICO case is very different than other cases, right? In a RICO case, you have to prove that there was a criminal scheme going on some conspiracy to commit some criminal acts. And it's not that you committed the criminal act, but what you did sought to further the criminal act. It's the same reason that when Sidney Powell was trying to get decoupled from Kenneth Chesborough, they were like, what we won't, why are we in this together? Like we don't even know each other. We didn't even talk to each other. The issue isn't that they knew each other and they colluded together. The issue is there was a scheme to overturn the election and everything that you did, even if it was independent of the other, that is seen as furthering the crime. So 
It's kind of brilliant. Once again, Rudy Giuliani actually pioneered Rico, and now he's being charged in one, which is crazy. But DA Fonnie Wallace is really good at these cases, and it makes a lot of sense. And that's why you saw in October three different people accepting um, plea deals because they already knew. Jenna Ellis accepted a plea deal. Um, Sidney Powell accepted a plea deal. And Kenneth Chesborough accepted plea deals. Now, the reason that Kenneth and Sidney accepted plea deals is because they asked for a speedy trial. And so by law, they had to have it. I think it was like 90 days or so. Maybe it's 90, 60 or 90 days after they were charged. They like they had to have a uh, trial and they were going to have a trial. However, they decided to accept plea deals, which is really good for D.A. Fonnie Willis because that meant she didn't have to put her, like she didn't have to go to trial twice. They weren't going to be able to see how, like her methods and what she was going to do and what she put at, like, because they were going to basically get like a preview into their trials by those trials. But like the day before they were supposed to go to trial, both of them accepted plea deals. And then a few days later, Jenna Ellis accepted a plea deal and she got in front of the court and she cried and said if she knew what she knew now. She never would have really, you know, worked with the former president. She was going off of other seasoned people. She thought they knew what they were doing, but she never once said I was wrong. I take accountability now. I'm sorry. So, of course. But anyways, that case has not really been scheduled. I think if anything, it's been scheduled like at the end of the year. All of these cases like have initial dates, but we already know that those dates can change. However, as a means to delay, 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 like he does, the former president's counsel and the counsel of the other remaining defendants were like, we need to do what we can to get these people thrown off of this case. And they found their moment when the lead special prosecutor, in this case, Nathan Wade, who is divorcing his wife, in their divorce records or proceedings, the wife mentioned a relationship with Fonnie Willis. And oh boy, that hit the fan. And then the the lawyers were like, what can we do? How can we spin this personal relationship to make it seem like they were doing something untoward to get them kicked off the case? So what they did was they said, hey, judge, we have knowledge now that Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade were in a relationship. And we have proof that not only were they in a relationship, but that relationship started before he became special prosecutor or lead prosecutor. And she benefited from him being lead prosecutor by giving him state funds and then reaping the benefits for those state funds. So, and this blows my mind. I don't understand why the judge did it this way, but he decided to have a public hearing. And I question that decision every day of this hearing that went on. It was two days. 
And it was just kind of like, uh, it was an absolute soap opera, you guys. I don't know why he didn't just say, give me your evidence. I'll review it and I'll make the determination. No, he decided to hold public hearings. I'm hoping it's because this is such a big, difficult, different kind of case that maybe he was like, let me let the people look into this and see how it goes so that, you know, once I make my PNL, understand why. I, I don't know. That's what I could only hope. But it was very ridiculous hearing. So, as I said, the the defendant's lawyers are trying to say that Fonnie Willis financially benefited from her relationship with Nathan Wade using taxpayer money. So, at that point, they had to disclose the fact that, hey, yeah, we had a relationship. The relationship started after he became special prosecutor. The relationship's actually over. It ended around mid-2023. And we're just doing our work. We're just living our lives. However, one of the the council's attorneys, Ms. Merchant, she was like, no, no, no. I know that's not true. I have personal knowledge that that's not true. And honestly, after watching the hearings, I got to say, it sounds like she and another attorney from the community were gossiping. And he told her some things and she was like, okay, well, I know that I know that they're lying because someone else told me it's not true. So I can prove that they're lying and also that she benefited. Now she proved it to y'all. That's cool, but she ain't proved it to me. Here's how it went. Fonnie Willis was trying to quash a subpoena to testify up until the moment that she testified. What happened was Miss Merchant had a relationship, personal, like, you know, friendship. They're all lawyers. They know each other. They talk. Hot goss. You know, they spill tea with one another. Once she found that information out about the trips, she reached out to a former colleague, business associate, and attorney of Nathan Wade and said, oh, my God, like, did you know that Nathan and Fonnie were taking these trips? And that started, like, all the gossip, right? So, basically, what she said is that this gentleman, whose name escapes me, and I'm so sorry, but this gentleman told her that there was a relationship prior to him becoming the lead prosecutor. And that's what she used, basically, to bring this. However, I'm having a hard time believing that she actually proved that because when she spoke to this gentleman, or when they brought him on the stand, he asserted privilege because he was the lawyer for Nathan Wade during his divorce up until, once again, I think about 2023. So he said, hey, I spoke with the people at the bar and they said, I can't tell y'all anything or I might lose my license because this is an attorney client privilege. And Nathan Wade 
has not and also did not, while on the stand, waive that privilege. So I can't tell y'all anything. And I don't have any personal knowledge of a relationship between the two of them. If I know anything about any type of relationship, it was told to me under attorney-client privilege. So I can't share that with you. Of course, this did not make the defense team happy because he was supposed to be the person who put it into place that there was a relationship. It did occur before November 2021. Fonnie and Wade were lying. And the only reason he got the job, because they're trying to say Nathan Wade isn't qualified. The only reason he got the job is because he was in the relationship with Fonnie and she could get taxpayer money from the fact that she's paying him, right? So once again, when when he was when he asserted privilege, that kind of broke everything down, right? But it still wasn't looking good for Fonnie and Nathan, right? Uh, a friend of hers, a lady by the name of Miss Purdy, she was up next. Baby, she had she had her glasses and her big old uh, glasses chain. No one wanted to be there. It was made very clear that all the witnesses were technically adverse witnesses because they didn't volunteer to testify. They were all subpoenaed and none of them really wanted to testify at all. She was really not giving them anything besides she was asked if she knew that they were in a relationship. She said yes. She was asked if she knew that it was happening before November 21. She said yes. The lady was like, well, how did you know? Like, did you see them doing it? She's like hugging and kissing. Here's the problem. She never said, well, when was this? Where was this? What's the time frame? Like, she never said, how, how do you know that? Like, oh, I saw them kissing and hugging. Okay, girl, like, when, when did you see all this? Like, she really asked no qualifying questions to give the judge a reason to be like, okay, so this lady for sure is sure that she knows they were in a relationship. At the end of the day, she was a former friend of D.A. Willis. She was a former employee. She resigned on threat of being fired because some issue had occurred while she worked there. And of course, the the state was like, this. once again, this is a disgruntled ex-friend. Her credibility is shot. But once again, because the defense team asked really no qualifying or additional information, it's it's he say, she say, right? At this point, the former colleague asserts privilege. This lady says, I know they were in a relationship, but she doesn't really say how she knew they were in a relationship. And then they bring Nathan Wade on the stand. And oh my God, Nathan Wade, really frustrated. Almost everyone frustrated me, right? Because I was like, why can't these people communicate? Like, why is their communication so unclear? And maybe it's because they're judges or like attorneys and they know to say their word. Like, but it felt to me like they were allowing the defense attorney to ask them things in a certain way to kind of form her story but they weren't clearing it up so she asked Nathan Wade of course 
How long you know Fonny? When did you meet her? When did her relationship start? Did you ever go to this house when she lived here? Did you ever go to this condo when she lived here? And and she had actually lived in Miss Purdy's condo for some time because once she decided to announce that she was investigating the foreign president or that she was charging him, I can't remember which one, but I think it was, I think it might have been the charges. From that time on, she was harassed at her home. Her father was living there at the time. He said, you need to get up out of here because this is unsafe for you. I don't want to know where you're going. Don't tell me where you're going. But just get up out of here because it's not safe. As luck would have it, as Fonny explained, Miss Purdy had a condo. She was going to sell it. But Fonny said, let me sublease it because, you know, she had met her man and she wanted to move in with him. He ended up becoming her husband and good for her. Congrats. But, you know, Fonny's like, I need somewhere to stay. You got this place. Let me sublease it. Cool, cool. She lived there. So, of course, a lot of the questions were, did you ever go to that condo? Did you ever go to her house? Did you? It was just kind of crazy stuff. So then it was like, okay, so what did you guys do? Did you take this trip? Did you take that trip? Yeah, we did. We went here. We went there. We only went on about four trips. I paid for them on my business card. However, Fonny is a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. And she makes it very clear that she pays her way. So she paid her way. She paid me back for everything except for my 50th birthday. She paid for everything because it was my birthday and she wanted to do something nice for me. So I might have put it on my business card, but my accountant reconciles what's personal, what's business, and it makes it whole. And then Fonny paid me back in cash. Now, once he brought up the cash, it became. Oh my God, something nefarious and salacious is going on because of why in the world would she pay you back in cash? You don't have no receipts. You don't have a ledger. You can't prove that she paid you back in cash. And it was just kind of like, they're starting to frame it in a perception that like, oh, something something was amiss because she paid him back in cash. She never pay him like was she trying to hide was she she just didn't want people to know like why did she pay in cash they got like, all that information out of him they wanted to know more about his divorce he was straight up my wife cheated in 2015 with my friend once that happened she and I both got together we had a conversation the marriage was irreparable it was damaged we couldn't move forward but we didn't immediately divorce. Now, I don't know y'all about y'all, but I have family members who have been separated, living their own lives for decades. Like, I don't want to say it's a black community thing, but I know that that happens out in the world, right? People do that. So he was like, we discussed that we still got from small children like or children in general. I want to be there for my kids. Until the last one goes off to college, we're just going to put on, you know, a united front. But that doesn't mean we're together. Like, you can do what you do, and I can do what I do, and it is what it is. And then at one point, he said she moved to Texas. She was there for a while because they did question, like, oh, well, why did you serve her with divorce papers the day after the indictment? And he was like, she was living in Texas. She happened to be in the area. That was the only time I can get her served. It was purely coincidental. So they're they're asking questions, right? More of their questions were focused on actually trying to prove the date that the relationship started. 
which means they kind of neglected most of the, these are the ways in which we know that Fonnie actually financially benefited, which is probably like would be the bigger problem, right? Besides that, the fact that they lied, like the lying about when the relationship started is more so a credibility thing, I think. And then they were trying to catch him like lying on the stand to say that was perjury. But they focused more so on that and not the ways in which they were trying to say they knew that he was only there for Fonny's financial benefit. It just didn't make any sense. Right. And let me keep it clear. Miss Merchants was leading this, but other attorneys for the other defendants joined in, right? So that means when she was done with questions, if they had questions, they could come and ask questions. And so she would have, anybody would have to sit there and be questioned multiple times by multiple attorneys. And then if the state wanted to cross, you know, do the cross, they would do that. So <sighs> just Nathan Wade frustrated me. I think it's because I I just felt like you're not being clear and you're still leaving room for people to fill in the blanks. And we already know, especially in the United States, when people have room to fill in blanks, that's when conspiracies come. And that's why we're here today, right? Because there was some information leaked and people started filling in blanks. So to me, it was just kind of like, oh, my God, this is brutal, right? So they, I ain't gonna lie, they had me in the first half. They had me in the first half. But once he got off the stand, they said, okay, you know, judge was like, all right, Miss Merchant's like, who is your next person, your witness you want to call? She was like, Fonnie. I'm gonna call DA Fonnie Willis. And of course, the state's team was like, absolutely not. We object. We want to quash this subpoena here. We still feel like there's no reason for her to have to testify here because this is ridiculous. There's, there's no truth. They haven't shown any proof. And that was so frustrating to me because Miss Merchant would try to lead. It was weird how evidence was being entered. I don't know if it was because it's a hearing or and it's like different in a trial and maybe they don't have to have evidence already in. I, I don't know, but it was kind of weird to me because Miss Merchant would ask questions like she had information to prove different, but she like never offered up that information. And I got to believe that that's because the testimony of the business associate didn't go how it was supposed to. He was supposed to get on that stand and say, I know that they were dating beforehand. Here's how I know. But he didn't do that. And they had text messages because they're friends, right? But she, I think what she wanted was for him to open the door so she could introduce those text messages. But once again, he asserted privilege, so he couldn't. So that's what was kind of made me feel like, oh my God, what the heck is happening here? And then on top of that, Nathan Way, I feel like was not communicating in a way that I would wish somebody would communicate. And then now it's like, okay, well, Fonnie Willis, we want her next. And the counsel's like, absolutely not. And the next thing you know, boom, there's Fonnie Willis. And she's like, hey, I heard that he was done testifying because they were keeping the witnesses outside the room, right? They don't want anybody to know what the other's saying. So they're keeping them separate. But D.A. Willis was like, as soon as I heard, girl, I got the text message. I, got, I looked at my Apple Watch and I saw that he was done. I ran. Okay, I didn't walk. I didn't jog. I ran to this courtroom because I'm ready. And they were still kind of in the middle of determining whether or not you know, they were still arguing whether or not she should testify. And so the judge was like, uh, well, you know, 
the state team just put in a motion to have you not testify. So are y'all removing that motion? And let me tell y'all, nobody in that courtroom that day could do anything with Fonny. Even the judge, I think he was just like, Jesus Christ. He he gave her a couple warnings because she was very, very fiery. But and nobody in that courtroom could do anything with D.A. Fonny Willis. Baby, she came in there with her pink dress on. And she was like, I'm ready to, to clear my name because y'all are really, y'all really playing with me. So the judge was like, all right, you know, take the stand. And this is when I, this is when I knew. I said, oh, this, this about to be real good. As soon as she sat down, she said, I need three documents in front of me. I need all of your filings right now. And baby, they started scrambling because they didn't have, like, everybody had their own copies, but they were, like, handwritten. So, like, they had to run to the printer. So the judge was like, okay, look, you know, let's take five minutes. So they had to run to the printer to get these documents because Fonnie was like, let's let's pull it out. Like, let, if you want to go line by line, we go line by line because I'm going to tell you where you had me effed up. I'm going to tell you right here where you made the wrong turn, where you should have made the right turn. So they took a five-minute recess. They come back. And, oh, my God. Every legal person said, I would not have advised her to get on stand. If she was my client, I would not have allowed her to get on stand. I would have never, ever wanted her to get on that stand. But I'm like, thank God she got on that stand because she was clear with it. It wasn't no hmms or hmms or I'll let. She was very clear with it. So. They began the testimony with her saying, you've been lying on me. This is lies. Back in the day, we used to have 60 minutes where, <laughs> where a journalist will put a story out and they would check their facts. She was like, but now a lawyer can just print lies and they spread immediately. So I'm here to clear my name up. What you got to ask me, let's go. And that was her attitude the whole time. Like I said, she was she was rather fiery. A couple times she did have to, the judge had to say, babe, girl, listen, okay, I get it. But if you keep going on like this, I'm going to have to strike your whole testimony. Because at one point it got so contentious, like she held up the briefings and was like, it's lies. It's all lies. It was kind of like loving hip hop, y'all. It was crazy. But basically, Fonnie Willis got on the stand and was like, listen, I've already said, we've already said, I knew this man. I met him back when I was a judge. I wasn't DA. And what I find disrespectful is that you are in your briefing saying, I met this man and I slept with him the same day. Like you're, you're making it seem like I didn't even know him two minutes and suddenly I was in his bed. And that's disrespectful to me. I ain't that type of girl for you to be trying to play with me like that. Like in Miss Merchant, when I tell you she dog walked that lady, I felt so bad for her. I was like, ma'am, you're doing terrible at this. Like, she's like, listen, she's like, okay, so, you know, you met him at a conference and then you started a relationship shortly after. And finally was like, no, that's another one of your lies. Like, she's calling it out. And I was like, I know she's going to get painted as angry black lady to send the third, but it was so necessary because the hearing itself was ridiculous. I don't even know why the judge let it get that far. I don't know if he was like, maybe y'all need to see that these people are crazy too. I, I, I don't know. But like, 
it was just ridiculous the fact that the hearings were even happening and they were making her testify. But what I love, baby, is that one point Miss Merchant was like, well, your office rejected our request to get your flight records from Delta. She said, no, no, no. I rejected it because you people are trying to make it seem like I'm on trial. I'm not on trial. These people are on trial and I'm not on trial no matter how hard you want me to be. And that's exactly right. You're, we're forgetting the big picture. These people tried to steal an election. They have very credible charges against them. But you got me up here on the stand answering questions about my personal life. Like, I don't know how many times I can tell you that I ain't tell everybody about us because I like my privacy. Like, even Nathan was like, yeah, you know, we couldn't go certain places. We couldn't really go out to eat like that. Like, we would have to, like, we would have to take day trips to go out, you know, out of the state to go get lunch sometime just because she can't even eat around here. So. No, that lady don't want everybody in her business. And she was like, and I don't understand why y'all think y'all need to be in my business, number one. Then we got to the issue of cash. She's like, yeah, I got cash. I keep cash. I always paid him back in cash because I had it. My daddy told me when I was a young girl and all my life, I need to have six months worth of cash. And I ain't had that, but I need to have it. And so in all of my days, I've had at least from $500 to possibly $15,000 in cash wherever I lay my head. Because they kept going back to the fact that, you know, she had rented this condo with Miss Purdy. Did Nathan ever come over? Did he ever spend the night? Like, we're literally answering questions about what this lady does on her, in her personal life with somebody that, yes, she's working with. Yes, the optics are bad, but it's not like she's colluding with him for something that's going to cause the other defendants to not have a fair trial. And that's what, once again, that's what's not being proven here. Like there was no unfair advantage because they had a relationship. Like you're trying to say on top of that, she was also asked about some interview she gave for these guys who read, wrote a book about the uh, Trump trying to, you know, overturn the election in Georgia. And when they interviewed her, you know, in the book they wrote that she said, they asked her something about if she wanted to like run again. And she's like, no, I don't want to be like, I don't want to go through financial ruin again. So they're trying to say that, okay, we know that you were broke. So you brought your boyfriend in so that he could get paid, even though he's not, he doesn't have the qualifications. And then you could benefit off of that by paying your bills. Once again, Tawny was like, okay, well, when I mentioned that, I wasn't saying that I was broke. What I was saying is I used $50,000 of my personal 401k to fund that race. And then I lost and I have nothing to show for it. So no, like I don't want to lose that much chunk of money in. I don't want to have to go through all the other emotional torment. Like I don't want to have to do that. Like that's what I meant. Like ain't broke, ain't ever been broke. I don't know what y'all trying to say. Uh, one of the guys brought up the fact that she had like maybe like a $4,500 tax lien. It was kind of like, well, why were you like going on trips and stuff? You had this lien. She was just like, I mean, you got a hospital bill. Can't you go shopping? Like what you're trying to say here is that 
I'm a brokey broke girl. And what I'm trying to tell you is never. Um, so at one point also she was asked about, she mentioned that she had cash because her dad told her to have cash. And Miss Merchant, once again, I, I didn't like it and I, I finally didn't like it either because I, I understood what this lady was trying to say. She asked her, she's like, okay, so like you paid back in cash. Do you have a ATM withdrawal statement? Like anything? And Kafani was like, no, I keep cash. I'm a cash hoarder because my daddy told me to hoard cash. Like at any time I might have went to the grocery store and got cash back or, and I just put it somewhere safe. So I have cash on hand. So it's not that, oh, I don't know where the cash came from because Miss Merchant says something so you can't account for that cash. And Fonny's like, yeah, I can account for it. It's my money. Like, I work. I got a job. And my blood, sweat, and tears went into making that money. So sometimes I go to the grocery store, I get extra cash back. Sometimes I go to the ATM, I just have cash, and I put in stash. Like, what you're trying to do is make it seem like somebody's handing me cash. I'm just getting cash from anywhere. Once again, ill-gotten gains, and you're trying to make it seem like I'm doing something untoward because I have cash. When most people use cash, now not me. I don't really like to use cash. I hope I ain't, you know, expose myself. No, I don't like to have a lot of cash on me for reasons that people will rob you and you can't really get that back. But also, it's just like most everything's digital these days. I don't really like to use cash, but these are older people. Like, they're in their 50s. Her father is much older. He told her to keep cash. We'll get back to the fact that he came on the stand. He also said that he told her that. So to me, it's not super weird. Like my mom doesn't like to use the pay apps. She feels like people will steal her information. So she might say, hey, can you cash app somebody? And then she'll give me money. Like older family members, I give you cash. You do this online. It happens. So it was really crazy to me that they were making it seem that once again, this is all about the perspective. Like this is about making it look like something wrong was done. So then either they can get kicked off or the public, the potential jury pool, because everybody in Fulton County's potential juror, they will see this and think, Oh, like these guys are like shysty. That's all it is. It's, it's about trying to make her look shady. It's about her accountability. And I understand why she was upset. Like, you're not going to play with me like that. I'm a hardworking woman. I've been at this. I make money. I made my own money. I pay for my own things. I made it clear to Mr. Wade. I don't need his money. I'll pay my way. Wade was asked when the relationship ended. He said, I guess, about, you know, summertime, June, July. And it was so funny. She was like, because he's a man, he's going to probably tell you June or July. But I'm going to say August because we had to have a hard conversation. What she meant was, and she said so, the intimate part of our relationship ended in June or July. But we kind of never really talked about it until August. And that's when we had to get our closure. So one of the attorneys was kind of asking, and he just, he, it was the way he phrased the question. She's like, listen. Let's get into it since we since we're here. Here's what happened. Mr. Wade once told me nothing a woman can do for him except for make him a sandwich. And we have very fierce arguments about money. And, you know, I'm your equal. You're not above me. I'm not above you. We're equals. I got my own. You got your own. And 
it appears that that they butted heads in a relationship because of her independence. And so she was like, listen, a man is uh, not a plan. He's a companion. I got my own. I'm an independent woman. And the only person who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. Okay. <laughs> Baby. Ooh. She was eating. I'm talking running circles around these people. Like, here's what you're not going to do. Here's what you're not going to say. Don't try to get cute. She literally said, don't get cute and think I'm not going to respond because you got to understand it. She's being asked questions, but there's also states council there and they're objecting. They're like, oop, object. Because they're thinking, depending on how that's answered, that can be used against you. Fonnie don't care. She's not caring about no objection. None of that. One of the attorneys asked her, did you go to the White House? Object? No. Okay. Well, I guess we got the answer. Fonnie said, listen, ask away, right? Because what you've done is told a lot of lies on me. And what I'm not going to allow is you to keep lying and me not be able to say my speak my piece and speak for me. And once again, like I said, I, I understand why the legal attorneys and stuff are like, oh, God, we don't want that. But I understand why it had to be done, because these people only they're only working for the former president and his audience and other people who kind of pay attention but don't pay attention, who might see something like, oh, my God, like, did you see that those attorneys were doing that thing? And that's not right, is it right? Like, that's that's definitely wrong. And like. You know, that's what they're doing it for. So that people, it's salacious and people will talk about it. And it, once again, it, it comes to her credibility. So she was very good on that stand. It was a sneak peek into what those people are going to have to deal with if this case actually goes forward and it, she's not kicked off of it. It's not removed from her office. A big reason of why we don't want that to happen is because if that does happen, the case essentially dies, right? Fonny was very clear. Nathan Wade wasn't even my first choice. We're not even talking about the fact that y'all are trying to say he's unqualified, but he used to be a judge before. We're not even talking about the fact that y'all are trying to say I paid him too much money, but I cap at two fifty an hour, and this man worked a lot of hours that he didn't get paid for because I also cap a certain amount of hours a month. You got, you know, experts saying... The amount of money he got was chump changed. Like, and he probably got more than the other prosecutors because he's the only one who's actually a judge before. There's so many ways to explain how he ended up with the job. But they didn't ask those questions, right? The only time that they alluded to it was they brought in the former governor of Georgia from like the 90s, like the last Democratic Georgia uh, governor in Georgia for, you know, decades. And he also is a lawyer, does cases, but he's an older gentleman. And they brought him in as a witness, the state did, because they wanted to show that she asked him first. I think she asked two people before she actually asked Wade to do it. She asked him first and he turned her down just as the other person because no one wants to take this case. It is dangerous. You get harassed. 
You get death threats, all of those things she got. Her father came on the stand. He attested to that. Oh, my God. The father? I love the father. Well-traveled, seasoned man. He basically came in to show my daughter's good. She been good, and she always going to be good as long as I'm here. She don't need no man. She's straight. She pay her own bills, but that's because I instilled that in her. She's good. That was basically what he came for, but I just really loved his testimony because he also talked about like how he worked in South Africa and like all the work he's done. It was just great. But anyways, they brought in the former governor so that he could say, she asked me because of the danger, the nature of this case. I said, absolutely not. I've had to have security before. I did not want security for the rest of my life. Once again, we're not doing this for funsies, people. We're not here because we're trying to profit off of something. We're here because laws were broken and people need to be held accountable. Nathan Wade wasn't my first choice. I asked others. They turned me down. The rate he's getting is not outrageous. The money he got went, it was split, number one, because he has like a partner agreement with his law firm, the money was split. If like money had to come out for incidentals and then whatever was left over, he got, but that's the money he earned because he worked for it. She said, I, I know people who are given a thousand dollars an hour. Not me. You're not getting more than 250 and you're not getting more hours than the cap. And he worked a lot of hours. And he didn't get paid. Even when he was on the stand, the state said, Hey, like, can you tell me all the hours that you like you work this many hours and you didn't get paid? He said, man, you're trying to make me cry because you're reminding me of how much how many hours I put into this case. And I didn't even get paid for all of them. But you do the job. You don't stop because you cap hours. You just keep working because the job needs to be done. Like I said, I, I just really didn't feel like they proved anything. They brought her the next day they were supposed to bring Fonnie back but she walked them people so bad and I'm talking about dog walk molly walk all of that so bad that they were like no we can't we ain't have day two of that so they didn't bring her back on they didn't bring her back on they attempted to bring the business associate again but once again everybody everybody thought Fonnie was coming back that morning and so he was like I'm at the doctor I don't you know what to tell y'all? Like I had a doctor's appointment. So there was kind of just like some scrambling, trying to figure out what to do. So that's why it kind of went out of order. They brought on the former governor and then they brought on her father, which I, she had said, you, when you meet my father. And I was like, when are we going to meet him? And he was there. And I was like, oh my God, daddy's here. Um, they brought her father. He Once again, y'all, he was so cute. He was like, uh, judge, I'm sorry, but I can't really see that's why I had to retire. I'm bringing my magnifying glass. And the judge was like, yes, sir, that's that's fine. <laughs> he was really cute. But once again, like I said, he just was, they were like asking him questions. Well, did you meet Nathan Way? Did you know she was in a relationship? And he was like, no, like I, I didn't know they were even in a relationship until this came out a few weeks ago. And they're like, what? You didn't know that? He's like, I don't know her business and she don't know mine. So no, that's not crazy. Like it's, it was just all the ways it was really wild because if you watch carefully, all of the witnesses were black except for the former governor. And 
you could tell a clear difference in how the former governor was treated than the rest of the witnesses. It was just like so congenial. Oh my God, look, it's my bestest friend in the world. Oh my gosh, yeah, we remember when we worked together. It's just like crazy. But what I did appreciate that the former governor did say off top, Yes, I've, you know, I've done some cases against Fonnie. She beat me. I didn't win on appeal, but she, that lady know what she's doing. She's more than qualified. Like, we're not even having that conversation here, so don't even try to ask me, like, this lady is qualified to do what she's doing. She's the best one for the job. Um, but once again, like, it is what it is. But what they were trying to do with his testimony was spin it to say, because when he met with Fonnie and she asked him, Nathan Wade was there. They were trying to say, oh, well, he was already he was already in the mix. But it's like, okay, yeah, he was, it wasn't that he wasn't working on the case. It's just that he was a special prosecutor. So anyways, the father came on the stand. They asked him pointed questions about what he knew about Nathan and this, that, and the third. And he was like, I know that man. Like, I didn't know nothing about him. I didn't even know there was dating. Like, she told me she was going on these trips, but she didn't tell me who she was going with. I said, okay, girl, like, you 50 years old. Have a good time. Like, I'm staying at her house because it's not safe but then at a certain point I had to leave the house too because it's just not even safe to be in the house like I don't know what y'all want from me so that was him and then we took a break for lunch and then we came back at one o'clock and surprise surprise the business associate is on the stand and once again frustration nation this man was once again I know he's trying not to say certain things to I guess incriminate himself or Nathan Wade and also he's asserted attorney client privilege and there's fighting you know amongst the state council and the defense team because they're like well he can't say that that's privilege, and it's just a lot of back and forth so I felt like his testimony was just so disjointed because a lot of the questions that they were trying to ask him the judge was like guys He's already said privilege. He's already said he has no personal knowledge of their relationship to begin with. He's already said that anything he would know about their relationship is because of privilege. What are we doing? And to be fair, nobody ever really showed us what we were doing. It was just a lot of questions, like a lot of back and forth. It was like, oh, my God. So do you see the, your text messages? Do you see in the text message when I was like, oh, my God, did you see like Fonnie and Nathan went on trips and you replied, wow. And it's just like, what? Like, girl, are you really telling us right now that you're bringing this whole thing because y'all was gossiping about this? And then apparently we got to a point where and we didn't fully get an answer because there was an objection and then they went back and forth. And then I think the judge decided like to sustain it. But he was asked, well, didn't you say when I said something like, oh, is it, you know, I heard that they met shortly while, you know, while they were, um, while she was DA or whatever. And then they started dating after that. And he was like, he said in his text message, no, I think it was when they were municipal judges, but what I think he was trying to say to clear that up is I wasn't saying, no, that's when they started a relationship. I was saying, no, that's when they met because they both made it very clear that they met when they were both judges. So 
But because there was like a uh, there were arguments about whether or not he should have to answer that question. I, I think that ended up the judge sustained it and was like, you don't have to answer that. But I I think that's what he was trying to say, because he was saying, no, I wasn't saying yes to that part of the question. But they like cut him off. But once again, that was kind of like the only part that kind of got to what they were trying to get at was that he was the one who gossiped and told Miss Merchants that he knew Fonnie and Nathan Way had a relationship prior to that, but she didn't have any actual proof of him saying, yeah, girl, I know that because, you know, like she didn't have any text messages or anything that said that. And so she couldn't enter, like she couldn't bring that up because she didn't have it. She just really needed him to say, because it, apparently she brought up, she's like, well, you know, I didn't text you and then you called me back on the phone. She, He was like, yeah. So she didn't have any actual proof to say that, like, I noticed because you text me this, remember, like she had nothing. And then she tried to bring up the fact that when she filed her brief, she sent it to him for him to review a, in the email. And then he responded to her and said, looks good. Okay. What looks good? the facts of the brief or the brief itself? Like, is it the substance or is it that you crafted up a nice brief? No, there were no questions. As I'm saying, there was no qualifying questions. And if I'm the judge, I'm sitting here like, girl, I just am begging you to get to what you're trying to prove. And many times he had to say that. He's like, I don't see where you're going with this. I don't see how what you're asking is going to get you to the point where you prove to me what you're accusing these people of. And that was, once again, so frustrating watching it because we're here because Donald Trump wants this case to die. And that's the only reason. And once again, they are the lawyers for the defendants. That's what they're supposed to do. But that's the only reason we're here is because he wants this case to die. So it just felt like a huge waste of time. It felt, I felt bad for Fonnie because I was like, she shouldn't even have to be doing this. Like, could she have not dated the special lead prosecutor? Sure. Sure. Should she have known that as a black woman, if it got out anyway, they were going to really focus on it? Yeah. But can I say she can't have a personal relationship? No, I can't say that. She can't have a personal relationship. Two of the attorneys for one of the defendants are married, right? Once again, they're not, nobody's claiming that they're using state money for their gains, but it's not a problem to date or be married to another attorney. It's that you're trying to make it seem like this is salacious. Like, this lady was a brokey, and she saw a way to get a come up, so she decided to do something that was going to be super detrimental to her safety and the those she loved and anybody else on the case. And she was like, yeah, but he can pay off my tax lien that she still has. You know what I'm saying? Like It, it was just crazy. So from what I saw, because, like I said, the, the testimony with, the business partner just kind of went nowhere. Then the state tried to cross, and I was like, ma'am, I don't like where this is going. The state tried to discredit the business partner by saying he's disgruntled over the fact that, and this is new information that they entered, 
he was actually accused of sexual assault by one of the employees at like their firm. And apparently Nathan Wade was the one who had to be like, like, listen, like this young lady is saying that you sexually assaulted her. We got a problem here. And so that he ended up leaving. And so what the state was trying to do was prove that he is disgruntled. So even if he did say that he knew they were dating, like he has reason to lie because he's upset. Um, I just really didn't like it because at that point we getting into a whole other issue. It really has nothing to do here. And like, this is like other people's lives too. It, it just, it felt messy to me. I didn't like it. And I think the judge like was like, no, we're not going to do this. Like, why are we doing this? Cause she was like, well, if I can get this testimony, that would lead me to bring in my other witness. And he was like, no, I think we're going to cut this because absolutely not. So the state brought in one more witness. and It was a young man who also worked there. So he was supposed to impeach the former business partner by coming in and saying, I was there at the club when it happened. I saw him sexually assault her. But because the judge was like, we're not even going there. She just asked him, well, the defense attorneys asked him more questions like, when did you work there? How did you know these people? Did you have a personal? And I, I was honestly glad he testified because he was a person who gave clear communication. Like I wished a Nathan or the business partner would have done. They were like, did you know? these like did you know Nathan Wade before you started and he was like oh no I didn't know him he was like well you know how did you know anybody else professional relationship I've done professional work with them before in another capacity that's how I know them and that's what was really killing me because at one point merchants and the other defense attorneys had drilled in on the business associate about the contract that they got to be tank lawyers in the Trump case. And Merchant was just like, okay, so you, like, Fonny didn't reach out to you about that contract. How did you get it? And he was like, what do you mean? She's like, did you apply for it? Like, he was like, well, Nathan knew about it. And he asked me, was I interested? So they were like, so Nathan brought it to you. He's like, he had knowledge about it. Well, how did he know? And I'm just like, personal relationship he professional relationship they know each other personally and they also have a professional relationship if she reached out to him and said hey i got this contact i need tank lawyers do you think anybody in your office would be interested and you went to your people and said hey are you interested there's nothing salacious about that but i was like either these men just don't want to talk or they're like they're lawyers so they're really they're trying to be slippery where they're talking but it was frustrating me so the associate that came in, he was just like, they were like, how did you know these people? Professionally. Like, that's it. Did you ever go out and party with the business partner? Yeah, obviously, he was supposed to be at the club when the assault happened. Did you ever go out and party and socialize with Nathan Wade? Absolutely not. Did you ever see Fanny in the office? Maybe once. Did you talk to her? No, I don't know what she was there for, but I might have saw her. Did you ever see them together? Absolutely not. Did you have any knowledge of the relationship? Absolutely not. When did you find out? Seven weeks ago, like everybody else, when y'all brought this up. Because they were being private about their relationship. And Fonny said, y'all are making it seem like I have to tell you about my personal relationships. And I don't have to. And I agree with her. 
Does it look good? No. No. But is it wrong? No. And she don't have to tell us. And you can't prove that she got any financial gain out of this. Judge, why are we here? So after that associate, um, after he, after his testimony, they cut it because the last witness that the state had was supposed to be a young lady that also blamed the original associate or accused him of sexual harassment or assault. And he had said on the stand that he had, he didn't know her. He had no idea who she was. And the reason that they wanted to call this young lady was so she could impeach him for lying because he, she said he just lied. But because the judge was like, we're not getting into that. She was just like, I'm just letting you know that I had this witness and this is why I had this witness. And I'll just be doing a proffer. So you understand like what my witnesses were for. And so the judge was like, okay, we're going to wrap it up here because he, once again, the privileged question with the original associate, he felt like mm, he wasn't sure about, right? The original associate said that from 2018, the moment that Nathan Wade came to me and said he wanted a divorce, I was his attorney. And the defense tried to say, well, you know, did you ever write an agreement? Like, are you, were you really his attorney? Like, did you ever get paid? And he was like, I don't recall. I don't know. And it's kind of like, well, I don't know you got paid, but the judge was, he was just trying to say like, you, I don't really think you were his attorney. And the judge was like, I think we're going to move on from this line of questioning because we literally have documents that he signed showing that he was his attorney. So it doesn't matter whether you, he got paid or not. Like they might've been friends doing pro bono for a friend, but it doesn't matter. He signed documents as his attorney. We know he was his attorney. Let's move on. Like Those are the times I really appreciated the judge because these guys were, they were asking questions three ways, but the same way. And the judge was like, you already know the answer to that. If I asked you, did y'all cohabitate and you say no, why would I turn around and ask you, did y'all live together? It's the same thing. And so that's why the, the whole hearing was maddening. I feel like it was a waste of time, but it is what it is. I'm glad Fonnie got on the state, um, the witness stand. The judge was like, I want to meet with a former associate and discuss the privilege and ask him questions. And then I'll put that in, like I'll seal it and put it in the records. You might see it, you might not. It depends on how I feel. Like, and so I think he was trying to wrap it up before five o'clock. So maybe he could meet with the original associate so that he could, you know, hopefully he makes a decision sooner than later. But like I said, if he comes out and says that Fonny's team needs to be removed from the case, like you'll be able to knock me over with a feather because from what I saw and once again, other legal experts, other pundits were like, uh, we didn't see it. Like, we we didn't see you prove, because the burden of proof is on the defense team, just like in a normal case where, you know, if the prosecution is coming to prosecute you, the defense team is essentially the prosecution in this hearing. The burden of proof was for Miss Merchant and the rest of the guys to come in and prove without a reasonable doubt. Well, it's not the same standard as a criminal case, but they were supposed to prove to the judge that they knew that, number one, Fonnie and Nathan had this relationship. Number two, they both benefited from state funds. And I never saw it. I never saw it. 
hopefully he will rule on that sooner than later. The options could be something like he could just remove her whole office or he could have Nathan step down as special prosecutor. Nathan could have already stepped down. Fonny could have stepped down. The only thing is, if he removes it from her office, it dies. Because some another county will have to take it up. Who's going to do that? It's Georgia. Like, it went blue, but let's be honest, it's Georgia. If he removes him as special prosecutor, what happens if nobody takes the case? Nobody else wants to take this case, Your Honor. Like, I tried more than one person before Nathan Wade. Nathan Wade took the case. We're all being harassed. You see what happens. Who else is going to want to take this case? So I'm really hoping the judge sees through all the BS. Once again, I can't blame the def- defense attorneys. Like, they're, they're trying to do what they can for their client. Even when the former uh, governor for Georgia was there, he was like, yeah, you know, I've seen them get people thrown off cases. Like, you know, we we did that together. You do what you do, can do for your client, but this was nasty. This was nasty, and it was ugly. It didn't have to be. Could Fonny have made a different choice in a man? Yes, absolutely. Especially that comment about the sandwich. Like, absolutely. She could have. Anybody but him. But she didn't. Like, they worked together a lot of hours. I guess they got an affinity for one another. It is what it is. They did what they did. They ended it. So, we'll see what happens. I'll keep y'all updated. I'm hoping it happens sooner than later. We're hoping that we get something for the Supreme Court sooner than later um, that will let us know what's going to happen with the immunity thing. Once again, with that case, I'm just hoping that they're like, there's no no here, here. We're not taking this case. If they do take the case, hopefully they'll try to do it like really fast. One of those expedited rulings where they can come in, have, you know, the sides argue, and then they can make a choice really soon. But if some people believe because of those three justices that he added, like they might pick it up, but they're still going to say no. Once again, it's all for the purposes of delaying these cases. That's the Trump way. And that's why we're here. And that's why, unfortunately, a black woman had to be speared and her uh, her private information made public recently. So, yeah, I even though the, the hearings were like bad, frustrating, I really enjoy watching them because I, I like the glimpse into the courtroom. And once again, like I said, Fani made everything like she really turned everything about that hearing around and it it really showed you like she not the one or the two so I really hope she can stay on this case so she could try it because she is a force and she really don't deserve all this mess like like she said like y'all like wine I like gray goose sometimes girls just want to have a little gray goose have fun she should be able to do that she's working hard every day she has her own money she don't need another man to come pay her tax lien i don't know anyways thank you for listening to another episode of did you hear the news once again i want to apologize for last week's episode with the sound but hopefully i got it together this week so let me know Keep me updated on what you guys got going on. If you have any questions, once again, how you felt about if you were able to watch the hearing or any of that information, what you feel about the, you know, recent 
developments in all these Trump cases, like, let me know. Let's talk. But thank y'all for joining. I love y'all. And I'll talk to y'all later. Bye.